All right. Um, you know, I was gonna talk about this question that we're dealing with um, in Big City, Big Question. We're in week four, so why isn't the way to God more clear? And I just want to start off by addressing what's been going on in the world this past week. Um, so that may take the whole time. So we may not get to this question. So that question may come next week. So we may, I may just spend the whole time on uh, just our, how, how should we respond? You know, what is, what is our response as a church? What is your response as a Christian? What is your response as a non-Christian? Um, you may be here this morning. This may be your first time in church ever. And you may think, wow, this isn't really a sermon. But um, we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about what happened this week. And because um, I've seen a lot of chatter. I've seen so much chatter from Christians and non-Christians alike. Um, but the chatter on, on social media and on blogs and all, all over <clears throat> by Christians is what gets me the most angry. Um, because we don't know how to deal with things like this, and we don't know how to talk about these things. So we just post random junk on Facebook, and then it starts an argument, and we think we're doing justice to this situation, and we're not. Um, we're actually doing an injustice to the situation. We're doing an injustice to our faith. We're doing um, an injustice to what God wants us to do in this world. So uh, I had Dahlia read Matthew 5, uh, Love Your Enemies, uh, because... That's often not the passage we think about when something like this happens. We think justice. We think vengeance. We don't think love. That's exactly what Jesus has called us to. So this week, if you don't know what's been going on, um, I'm not judging you, (laughs) but if you don't know what's been going on, um, there's been a series of ISIS attacks this week. Paris caught her eyes. Uh, Paris caught Facebook. Um, you know, everyone's changing their profile pic to like the the uh, French flag. Um, like like Paris caught social media. But um, Baghdad happened this week. Anybody know about Baghdad? Um, suicide bomber went into a funeral and blew himself up. Uh, ISIS claimed responsibility. Beirut happened this week. Um, many of you guys probably don't know about Beirut. Um, few suicide bombers. Um, one actually, only two went off. One actually didn't go off because um, he died in the other's blast. Uh, uh, guy just walked into a bakery, boom, in the marketplace. Um, the other one was at a place of worship. Guy walked into a place of worship just like this, walked in the doors and blew himself up. Like that happened in, in Beirut. Um, we don't think about those cities, though, because that stuff happens every day there. Or, as uh, the news paints it, you know, in, in Beirut, it was a Hezbollah stronghold. Um, they, they paint it as that. But um, there's civilians, there's women, there's children, there's humans, there's life, right? And um, I don't care what it is. This, their actions don't justify that to happen to them, okay? Uh, that's not what Jesus called us to. God says vengeance is his, not ours. 
He says, love is your prerogative. Love is what you guys do. And then Paris happened. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, a uh, few attacks in, in Paris, uh, one at a concert uh, in a theater, uh, one outside of soccer stadiums, one at a restaurant, uh, one at a bar. Um, all different attacks happened, some bombs, some shootings, um, all over Paris. And I love Paris. I don't know how many of you guys have been to Paris. Um, all right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love Paris. Uh, most people will say, hey, Paris is, is this or that, but it's a beautiful city. It's um, beautiful people. And so when I heard this, um, like where these happened, where it was really close to where we stayed when we were in Paris, um, and just just having the the physical, I mean, I guess the imagery of it uh, really really hit home for me a little bit more. And then places like Baghdad and Beirut, I haven't been to those specifically, but I've been to places exactly like that where it's militia controlled, where car bombs are going off, where there people are carrying around automatic weapons. We have a member of our church there right right now, in, in a place just like this, um, where you don't know if you're going to live or die because you just walk on a street and someone can blow themselves up. Um, we've had people from, from here. Uh, I mean, Molly did that piece, and she was in uh, this area. And, and so uh, what, what we don't realize when we're here is when we're here, we see all that the media wants us to see. But when you're there, you don't see those things. When Missy and I were there, we didn't think, oh my gosh, there's, that guy's carrying an automatic weapon and he's going to shoot us. Or this guy is, you know, maybe he's a potential terrorist. Or no, you just see life and you see children and you see women and you see families and you see life just happening. And I can say when, we, when we've been in these areas, we've never feared um, because uh, fear in, in those areas uh, doesn't, I mean, one, uh, because of Christ in us, but then also, just like I said, you see life. You know, from this side, from this side, we see terrorists and we see bombs and we see those things. Um, but when you're there on the ground, you don't, you see something totally different. So um, every morning, I do a few things every day. So a few things I try to get into my day every day. Uh, read the Bible, pray, you know, those, those things are, are just regular rhythms of my life. Um, brush my teeth. I try to do that every day, twice a day. Um, yeah. I don't floss every day. <laughs> but my wife does. She's, like, religious about it. Um, but I also read the world news every day. Um, Something I try to do first thing in the morning is, is not first thing, but one of the first things in the morning is, is read the world news. Because it gives me a larger perspective than what I'm living in right now. Uh, because I see all these things happening around the world, and, um, and uh, it, it gives me an eternal perspective. It gets me out of my own circumstances, my own life. Uh, my own issues, my own troubles, and, and, and helps me see what's happening around the world. And then it pushes me through the day when you pair that with the scriptures. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like the Spirit really works in that and just, like, um, shakes me out of the complacency of what a lot of us experience in our Christian faith. So if you want to do that, I just have the BBC app. 
It has every section in the world you could want on there. Download that on your phone, your iPad, whatever. It's, they're all biased, all these news agencies, but um, BBC does a great job because they have actually people on the ground um, who are reporting these things, not some guy sitting in, in the UK doing these things. So anyways, um, that's that. Uh, but so all these things that I talked about, Baghdad, Beirut, Paris, um, I mean... You know, just to, I've, I've been staying up to date on, on that. Okay, the last couple of weeks, let me just give you insight in the last couple of weeks for Daniel and I. Um, we've, been, we've been to a couple conferences. One conference, uh, Daniel and I went with Matthew to Washington, D.C., and this conference was called Spreading the Peace. And uh, it was a gathering, of, it was a historic gathering of 100 imams and 100 uh, pastors uh, meeting in order to promote religious freedom. And so we met there uh, with guys from all over the world, ambassadors and politicians and diplomats and princes and grand imams and um, a whole bunch of other other people, uh, in order to promote religious freedom. And what I saw there was people um, in a specific nation, people in power, grand imams, and people who have mosques of 100,000, 70,000, saying, we need religious freedom, and they're protecting Christians in their homeland. Um, and uh, you wouldn't think that. You don't, the media doesn't talk about this. You don't, you, don't, you don't realize that these guys are actually promoting religious freedom and trying to protect Christians in their homeland. All we hear about is the persecution, which is also going on. But there's a movement of, of people trying to protect that. And then last, this past week, Daniel and I, uh, we were in Texas with Curtis. Um, we did a small church planning conference there with about 60 to 70 church planners gathered. And... and um, we were just teaching these planters, you know, what we talk about here at Trinity Life, kingdom and disciple, society and church, uh, how to engage a city, how to engage the world, you know, how to multiply churches, all those things. And I'm realizing more and more that at the heart of this, at the heart of uh, what, we, uh, what we were teaching them is a concept called multi-faith. And um, multi-faith is different from interfaith, okay? So if you've been around Trinity Life for any length of time, you understand that um, part of our heart is, uh, or a large part of our heart is to engage our city, to multiply churches, um, and then to engage the world. And a big push in this is what we would call multi-faith and engaging other people of other faiths. And so uh, interfaith says... You know, we, we're going to cooperate, we're going to work together. It's kind of the impetus behind interfaith is unity. We're going to work together and we're going to set aside our differences and we can work with Jews and Muslims and Hindus and atheists and whoever you want to throw in there. Multi-faith says we recognize our differences up front and we can cooperate with that. The impetus isn't necessarily unity, it's love, okay? And hopefully unity comes, and I think it does, 
because love binds us. But when it's unity, we can, we can miss love, okay? Because we're just trying to work together. Here, the impetus is love, and, and we're cooperating for that. And so a large, a large part of our heart is this. Let me give you four principles. Um, these are Ed Stetzer's. Ed Stetzer is... I don't know, president of Lifeway Research. He's, he's um, yeah, he's, he does a lot of different things, actually. But he gives, he's, he's one of the major contributors to a magazine called Christianity Today, which is, I think, the most widely spread Christian publication, magazine, whatever, in the world. So um, this guy, Ed Stetzer, and he, he was a church planner. He's planted lots of, he's planted churches before. Um, he says these are the four principles of, of multi-faith. He says, one, let each religion speak for itself. Two, talk with and about individuals, not generic faiths. The point there he's making is um, we make a lot of assumptions about people's faith. We make a lot of assumptions about Islam. We make a lot of assumptions about Judaism. We make a lot of assumptions about... People make a lot of assumptions about Christianity. Do you guys know that? Um, you know, we, we talk about the Trinity. Like most, pe- most people outside of Christianity don't understand the Trinity. Um, but that's, the, that's our God. That's the essence of our faith, the Trinity is. And, you know, if we can weed away... I feel like evangelism a lot of times is, is weeding away all the misconceptions. If we can like take out all the misconceptions about what the Christian faith is, um, we, that, that goes a long ways in, in evangelism. A lot of times we're speaking over here and addressing these issues, and these guys, they're not there yet because they have all these miscon- misconceptions. Like I've talked to people in this city who have never met a genuine Christian before. And so all they know about Christianity is what somebody else has told them about what they've seen on the media. What do you guys know about Islam? How many of you guys have sat down with a Muslim and asked him or her about their faith? I'd say a lot of us, it's just perception. A lot of us, it's, well, I heard this on the news, or I heard someone say this about Islam, or, you know, uh, Mike said this about Islam, or I heard this speaker say something about that, about Islam. No. Um, so it's a lot of, a lot of hearsay. Um, that's the point he's getting at. Talk with individuals, not generically about faith. I used to teach uh, world religions. Um, when I was a professor, I, I taught, they called it contemporary worldviews. Um, it's basically a world religion slash apologetics class. And all they wanted me to teach was the principles of a faith and just kind of put those out there. Um, and those are what I learned. But the principles of Buddhism, for instance, if you ask my mom about Buddhism, she grew up a Buddhist and became a Christian um, in her 40s. Um, if you ask my mom about Buddhism, it's a totally different Buddhism than what I learned in school, than what they actually made me teach in school. <laughs> um, because she's actually taking that and living it out. And it, it's, it's different. It's, and so talking about that with individuals is what he's, what he's talking about here. So number three, uh, Ed Stetzer says, respect the sincerely held beliefs of people of other religions. I think that's pretty straightforward. Um, respect 
Uh, I like how he says sincerely held beliefs. Respect their beliefs as you would expect them to respect your beliefs. And then number four, grant each person the, the freedom to make his or her own faith decisions. So um, it's just freedom of religion is the basic principle here. Now these principles, uh, they're, they're just getting the discussion going. The four principles he gives are, are mainly conversationally based, I feel like. Um, they're, they're coming from a perspective where if you've never engaged in, in multi-faith, you would start here with these four. Let me give you seven other ones that Bob Roberts gives, his multi-faith engagement principles. Bob Roberts was here in the summer. He is uh, the guy who organized this conference that we went to in D.C. He's connected around the world. Daniel and I were with him this whole week in Texas. He mentors us in global engagement. And um, I mean, this guy is, you won't believe who he's connected with. I can't even say who he's connected with because like, he would get in trouble. Um, you won't believe who he knows and who he's actually talked about his faith with. Um, he's been all over the Arab world, and yeah, I'll just stop there. It's, it's really amazing. So we're learning from this guy. He gives these seven. He says, number one, start with the hand, not the head. We always go to beliefs, okay? Our, our paradigm for, for engagement or evangelism, whatever you want to call it, is... In, in the West, has been head, heart, hands. He flips that. So we go to beliefs. When we go to beliefs, we just lop off a whole, almost everybody. Um, when we say, well, if you don't believe what I believe, then, then I can't work with you. He says, actually start with the hands. Okay? Serve. You know, what is, what is faith without works, James says? He says to serve. And then heart, and then beliefs, beliefs will come. He doesn't say beliefs aren't important, but... We can't just start with truth. You know what Paul says? When we start with truth and we have no love, we're just that monkey with the symbols going around like this. He doesn't say monkey. He says that we're just clinging symbols. And nobody wants to hear that. It's just noise. So he says start with love. Okay, that's, that's number one. Two, don't compromise your beliefs and don't expect others to compromise theirs. So multi-faith isn't compromising our beliefs. Okay, it's not interfaith. It's saying, you believe this, I believe this, yes, we're different, now how do we move forward, okay? And then don't expect other people to compromise their beliefs either. Three, learn to have one conversation in the public square. Don't speak differently here or somewhere else, like say a mosque or a Buddhist temple or at city hall or with your friends or at work than you would in the church. He says, let's just have one conversation. Let's just stay, let's just have some integrity in, in how we engage. Four, we have to move towards the simplicity of global core theology and away from complex tribal theology. So see, in the church, in Christianity, we get too, we're too uh, focused on, uh, so eschatology is something that the church gets focused on so easily. This is the, the study of last things. When is Jesus coming back? When is the tribulation? Blah, blah, blah. Or even take church polity. Elders, do we have deacons? Do we have elders? Like, how's the church set up? All these things, all these things are, I mean, they're, they're good things to learn about and to know, but they're not primary things. Like, we don't put those above core theology. Jesus is the Son of God the virgin birth, the trinity, 
And that's core theology. And, I, and we can unite with anybody around those things, okay? So one of, one of our closest, uh, one of our mentors in the city isn't, is, is a Presbyterian minister, okay? We don't agree with him on, on you know, some things, some secondary and tertiary theological issues. Um, but the core theology, we do. Those other things... Um, take care of themselves, okay? Um, so let's focus on core theology, not on this complex tribal theology. Number five, move away from vilifying other faiths and live yours at its best. You see, we're so focused and we vilify people for their, their faith when, when they look at us as Christians and we're not living anywhere near what we say we should be. We're saying we believe this and we believe this and we believe this, but our lives don't show it. So he says, move away from vilifying other faiths and just, why don't you just focus on living yours at its best? Don't even worry about talking about somebody else's faith. Number six, we serve not to convert, but because we are converted. Okay, that's key. If you've been around Trinity Life, you've seen our city engagement, our metric for success isn't get people in a worship service on Sunday morning. Our metric for success isn't and hear me, church, like, just listen, hear me out in this. Our metric for success isn't who gets saved. Okay? Do we want people to come to Christ? Yes, 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 always yes. But if we serve people, just convert them to Christ, then we may miss love. Okay, we serve because we are in Christ, and we love because Christ loved us first. And when, we, when that's our impetus, then we will see people come to Christ. But when we flip those things, we may miss, we may miss what love is. Okay, because uh, here's a here's a practical example. You have a relationship with somebody. You, let's say. Um, this happened to us a lot when we first moved here. We didn't know anybody when we first moved here. We had zero relationships. And uh, so we were just like, how do we meet people? Like, how do you meet people when you go to a new city? Some of us go to a new church. Some of us uh, at our jobs. Some of us go to the bars. I don't know where you, where you go. Um, we were starting a new church. So we didn't, ha- we didn't have a church to go to to make relationships. Um, we both work from home, Missy and I. So we didn't have a work to go to. So how are we going to meet people? Well, we just started hanging out in coffee shops, going to the library, going to, I don't know, random people on the street. I talked to everyone on the subway. They thought I was weird. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we did whatever, whatever we could. And so um, I would meet people and build a relationship with people. There's a relationship that Missy and I have that we've had for three years now since we first moved here. And they're not, they're not Christians. They're not even close to becoming Christians by my, like, physical eyes. I can't see their hearts spiritually. But um, serve to convert means that I would have cut that relationship off a long time ago. Because it's been three years. I'm, spending, I'm investing three years in a relationship, and I haven't seen them converted yet to Christianity. I haven't seen them accept Christ's love yet and understand the gospel of salvation and grace and mercy. And so I would just say, oh, I can't waste my time here anymore. 
I'm going to go to someone who's, who's maybe closer to Jesus. No, that's what serve to convert is. And the point he's making is when we, when we love others, we don't love, if they never become Christians, I'm going to love them the same, okay? If they never get any farther in their faith, in their journey of faith, their, their spiritual journey, I'm still going to love them the same. So that's what he's saying there. Last principle, instead of seeking justice first, seek reconciliation and forgiveness first. I mentioned that earlier. We often want to seek justice and vengeance, and, and he says seek reconciliation and forgiveness first. These are engagement-based principles. So as Christians, what should our response be? Uh, Dolly read it, um, perfect love. Jesus really redefines neighbor in this passage. He says, you know, if we're asking the question, who's our neighbor? He says, even your enemy is your neighbor. Even the one who persecutes you and hates you and wants to see you dead, you should love. Do you guys realize that's completely unique to the Christian faith? Okay? Other faiths pick up on this, but this is unique to the Christian faith, to love even our enemies, those who want us dead, okay? And, and Jesus, he, he kind of goes through this, and uh, he ends with saying, you know, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This, this idea of perfect love, right? This is in the context of love. He says, you guys need to have perfect love. And, and the scriptures later says, perfect love casts out all fear. You guys, we can't, we can't, simultaneously despise a people or somebody and be friends with them at the same time. We can't hate them and love them at the same time. We can't uh, fear them and welcome a people at the same time. So how, practically, how do we do this? How do we love our enemies? How do we take this situation, Paris, Baghdad, ISIS in general, and, and love through this situation. Uh, so we didn't read this this morning, but Mark, Mark 12 says, says this. Jesus asked, what is, what's the, the greatest commandment, basically? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I'm just going to address those quickly. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's number one. That's how, that's how we respond. That's how we do this practically. You know, when, when these things happen, I spent yesterday uh, just praying, and uh, I felt like the psalmist yesterday. I was saying, why, God? Like, why do these things happen? It wasn't just, just these attacks, it wasn't just what happened. Um, there's so much. Let's go back to my world news soapbox. Like, there's, there's so much that happens in the world. Um, sex trafficking, human trafficking, slaves, uh, drugs. And there's, like, so much that, that I've read about just, just yesterday that's, that's going on in the world. And... Um, our response is normally emotional. It's, it can be very emotionally driven. Um, anger, hate, sadness. Like all, all, these, all these emotions that drive us to, they may drive us to prayer. They may drive us to hardness of heart. They may drive us to rejecting 
the gospel. They may drive us to rejecting a good God. How can we have a good God? Because I see all these things happening in the world. Let me tell you something real quick. God's goodness is far greater than what happened in Paris, Beirut, Baghdad this week. God's goodness and mercy and love is greater than what happened in your life this week. Take, take all these world events. This week, so in the past couple of weeks, I've talked to four people who are contemplating suicide. Just in the past few weeks. Not outside of this church. I've talked to people who are considering a bunch of things. People who are steeped in drug use. People who are addicted to, uh, you name it, drugs, pornography, um, success, money, all these things. So we have these things happening in the world, but I also want to recognize, like, we're broken. You guys are broken. I'm broken. You guys had stuff that happened to you this week. And God's goodness and his grace and his love is greater than those things. And it's hard to see that in the moment, but that's the truth that's going to help you persevere through tough times. That's the truth that's going to help you uh, endure, okay? And oftentimes we pray for healing and for God to take things away. And most of the times, guys, God wants us to persevere. He doesn't want to take it away. He wants to add something to us, not subtract something from us. He wants to uproot something out of us in order to build something in us. And that requires perseverance and endurance. So don't, don't think that God doesn't want to heal you. He does. But t- sometimes we think that healing means that God just strips things away. That healing is normally a process of God uh, giving us the ability to endure and persevere. Okay? Um, let me address the soul real quick. Love the, love the Lord your God with all your soul. So much chatter that I saw on Facebook, on social media, on blogs, everywhere, even in the media, like on reputable news organizations, um, where you can discern whether they're reputable or not, uh, is fueled by Islamophobia. These things happen. ISIS, Islamophobia, Muslims. um, And I love Edstetter's quote. He says, don't be so lazy to think that the worst of a group represents the entire group. You know, it's, this is a fear, this is a fear-based mentality we have here. And just, just speaking, I'm addressing the soul here right now because this is a spiritual issue. So just speaking to uh, religion to religion. Um, here at Trinity Life Church, um, we love Muslims, okay? Um, and we love all these other religions. We love the people of all these other, I should say, we love the people of all these other religions too. Um, but we engage Muslims through, through some of the things we do. And um, so you've seen that in, in the things that we do. Um, we have Muslims at our church, guys. Like, 
We, we love speaking with Muslims. We love learning about their faith. Uh, one day, we're going to start engaging a Muslim country. Okay, so we're, we're headed into that direction, um, like, very soon. And so, and, and that, when we start engaging this Muslim country in the Arab world, this is going to directly tie to Toronto because those people live here, okay? And so it's going to tie in our local engagement with our global engagement. Um, so we don't have time to be, to be scared um, and, and to start, start hating on, on Muslims. And that is not the proper response, okay? Let me speak to the refugee crisis real quick. This is... One of the greatest, this is one, this is one of the greatest crises, crises in, <laughs> crises in our, in our uh, age right now, in our generation, your generation and my generation. And I saw so much on Facebook because us as a nation, Canada, wants to bring in 25,000 refugees from this crisis. Um, it's, it's kind of focused on Syria, but it's not just specific to, to Syrian refugees. It's because this whole area, um, there's a whole people group called Kurds that people are so confused on who they are, but they're one of the major groups that's being impacted by, by this. So there's a lot of Kurdish refugees, there's Syrian refugees, there's Iraqi refugees, there's there's, uh, yeah, there's, I can keep on going. And so, um, this refugee crisis, and this is, this is kind of going into uh, love the Lord your God with all of your mind as well, but this refugee crisis is, um, is uh, just on Facebook, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, well, we can't have this now. We can't have, and these are Christians, we can't have these refugees coming into Canada because now we're going to bring the war to Canada. Um, that's a lie of the enemy, guys. Jesus does not discriminate what, which refugees he, he allows. He does not re- discriminate which refugees we love. And so to think that if we let 25,000 in, that a certain percentage of them, let's say it's 3 to 5%, because that's kind of the, the percentage, I believe, in Europe, you know, that, that's happening right now. Let's say 3 to 5% are, to, to think that there's 3 to 5% of them are going to be um, terrorists, that's a lie. That's just bad logic, for, first of all. Um, one, because we're completely separated from what's going on here. We're, we're way over here. The refugees that come into Europe are, are not the same refugees that, come, that are going to come to Canada. Like, these, these refugees that are going into, into European nations, um, like, there's, there's a whole bunch of different border issues and all those things. Like, we're way over here across a vast ocean. We have all these things in place as a nation that, that vet who, who comes and who doesn't. So, as a Christian, don't start responding to the refugee crisis in our nation by saying we shouldn't have refugees come to our city in our nation. Um, that's a fear-based mentality, first of all. That's not a love-based mentality, okay? We don't live by fear as believers. We live by love. And that's, that's going to, just the last point real quick, strength. 
How do you love the Lord your God with all your strength? How do you, as an individual, how do you in the church live your life in light of this? Many people are saying, well, only if moderate Muslims would step up. Like if all the moderate Muslims around the world, the billion of them, if they would just rise up and not allow this in their country or allow this in their culture or their society, then things would be different. And I'd say yes. Moderate Muslims need to, need to rise up. And I'm not saying they're not, but they, they do. But that's not, that's not what I'm going to emphasize right now. How about if the moderate Christians rose up? How about if you stop being lazy and stop being complacent and stop being apathetic about your faith and actually started living out the best of your faith? What if you rose up and showed love How would that change the world? You know what? The moderate Muslims around the world, they expect the moderate Christians to have this fear-based mentality and to start vilifying their faith. And you know what? The terrorist groups, ISIS, whoever it is, ISIS, Hezbollah, uh, Al-Qaeda, whatever group it is, they feed on this because now you've, you've taken a moderate Muslim. They've always seen as judgment and hate and vilification from a moderate Christian. And now it's, it's put them into, it's maybe a factor of putting them into Muslim extremism. Okay? And that's, that's, again, that's not our prerogative. We're to love. We practically do this through, through heart, through soul, through mind, through strength. What if instead of, you know, like you talk to Christians and they have their life verses and people say, oh, my life verse is Matthew 6.33. It's um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Great verse. Love that verse. Um, or it's Philippians 4, I think it's 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Love that verse. Great verse. Um, problem is, those verses are very individual focused. I'm going to seek God's kingdom first because um, uh, all these things will be added to me. We rip it out of its context. We totally take it out of what Jesus, Jesus' whole Sermon on the Mount. And we say, hey, if I seek God's kingdom, then I'll, I'll get some things. Or we rip Philippians 4 out, uh, out of its context of being content and say, oh, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's very individualistic. And we forget that Paul's actually talking about something <laughs> a little different there. What if your life first was James 4.15? And it was, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Because James says, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And what if you made your life first, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And if the Lord wills, I'll do this or that. That's going to shake you out of your, your complacency, out of your moderate Christianity, out of your lukewarm faith, however you want to term it. You know, this isn't, this isn't just a Christian problem to solve. You know, it's not like... These, all these things that happen... So I want to say, yes, Jesus... And the bride of Christ, the church, we are the hope of the world. That sounds very arrogant if you're not a Christian. But you, you can talk to, 
talk to people of other faiths, talk to atheists even. If, if they look at us and we actually don't believe what the Bible says about us, then they think we're lesser in our faith. You know, anyone who, who holds on to their beliefs and, and, looks, at, and looks at Christianity, and, and when, when Jesus says that we're the light of the world, we're the hope of the world, um, when they see that we don't live like that, they think, why would I want Christianity? Why would I want to be part of that faith? But the Bible says those things, that we are ministers of reconciliation. That's our ministry. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're the light of the world. We're the hope of the world. And yet we're living like we're defeated. We're the defeated of the world. And Jesus says, don't be afraid when they come and persecute you. Don't be afraid when they revile you. Don't be afraid when they curse you. Because guess what? I have overcome the world. I've conquered it. And because of that, you are more than conquerors in the world. You are more than conquerors. And he says to live like that. And as Christians, when we start living like that, this becomes global engagement. And we stop segregating ourselves from society. And we start cooperating with those who don't necessarily believe what we believe. And that's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel transcends cultural barriers. It transcends language barriers. It transcends religious barriers. And what the city has seen through our small church has been religious reconciliation. We get to build on that through multi-faith engagement. You know, after 9-11 happened, the French newspaper Le Monde came out and said, we are all Americans. We are all New Yorkers. And what the, what the author was really trying to communicate is that we're all humans. He wasn't making a, a uh, government statement or a patriotic statement. He was saying we're all humans. And today, we're all French, we're all Lebanese, we're all Iraqi. Because we all share a humanity. We all share in humanity. We all share the image of God. We get to call that out of people by loving others. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And I would add, Jesus says to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So fear cannot drive out fear. Only perfect love can do that. And that's what we get to do as a church. That's what you get to do as someone who believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're ushering in the kingdom and you're being the image of God so that other people can see who God is. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in this world. All the horrible things we heard, there's so much good that you're doing. I praise you that the people I talked to about suicide in the past few weeks did not commit suicide. I praise you that the people I've talked to about depression in the past few weeks are enduring through that hardship. I praise you for the people who have been affected directly by these attacks. 
still recognize your goodness and still recognize your mercy in an incredibly traumatic, tragic situation. I praise you that the nations rage in vain. Because you are sovereign and in control. And you've given the nations to your son, Jesus. And you've said that what we need to do is to kiss the son. I praise you for the power of the gospel, for Jesus Christ, for conquering this world, for overcoming this world, for showing us love. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us first. And it's only in that that I know how to love, that I can only have perfect love because you loved us first. And that love, what you've given us as the church, what you've given me, was not meant to stay here, but it was meant to be pushed out into this world. And we give it because we've received it and we live in it because you've given us life and you've made us a new creation. Let us die to the old self. Kill our fear, God. Kill our Islamophobia. Kill our... uh, wrong thinking, the lies of the enemy. We speak against those right now and pray truth into our hearts and our lives at this very moment. That we would rise up as the church and be the hope of the world, be the the light of the world for your goodness and your glory. In your name, Jesus. Amen.